0: If you are uh, visiting today, we have been looking at different names for God throughout the summer, and um, those names just helping us understand the greatness of God in all of the different aspects of God. We change gears just a little bit starting today because we're going to spend these three weeks looking at names for Jesus. He is God, and that's why it's in the series, but it changes the focus a little bit. And these three names of God will, names for Jesus, will help us understand Him better, I hope. And then on the last Sunday of uh, the summer, we're going to look at one name for the Holy Spirit. So we'll have the whole Trinity included in the series. Um, But today we want to look at probably one of the more puzzling names for Jesus. We're used to it if we're Christian. I mean, if we've been raised in the church, we're used to it, but at the same time, it's A little more puzzling. And to understand this name for Jesus, I want to start with this diagram. Um, You're probably familiar with what's up there. It's communication theory. You have the person on the left who is the sender. They have some concept, some truth, something they want to communicate to the person on the right. But how do they do that? Well, they have to put it into some kind of message, and that's that first cloud. You sort of encode your idea into somehow I want to communicate this. And how I communicate that is the arrow, the message. Is it a lot of words? Is it a drawing? What, what is it? How am I going to communicate this? And then, of course, the person receiving the message, they have to sort of decode that message. What's that mean? And if this all works really well then the idea that started in the sender's head is the exact same idea that ends up in the receiver's head now if you're a married if you're married or a parent you understand how hard this is that even though there's uh, the same people speaking the same language the same culture everything in the same room what you say and what somebody else gets it's like where did they get that it's a challenge well imagine If you not only just have two different people, but now we're going to throw in a different language and we're going to throw in a different culture. I'm speaking to a foreigner. How in the world do I get that message across? Well, in some ways, that was the challenge that John faced. And that's why he came up with this name for Jesus that is so puzzling at times. But I need you to understand the context before we read John. John was the last of the four Gospels written, probably as late as 80 A.D., somewhere 80 to 90 A.D., we're not sure. But so, 50, 40, 50 years have gone by for the church. Mark probably was the first Gospel written, Matthew, Luke, those have been out for a while, but there had been a huge change in the church. It was no longer Jewish. If you think about it, when the church began, if you look at the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, you pretty much have a 100% Jewish crowd, you have all the disciples are Jewish, and the message is Jewish. Jesus is the Messiah. And you killed him, but all of our Old Testament scriptures pointed to him and and the whole thing was jewish the problem is by 80 ad the church had become almost totally greek gentile non-jewish i read one commentator this week getting ready for the sermon and he said by this point for every jewish christian there was probably 100,000 Greek Christians. That was how much it had changed. But there's a problem. Remember that communication theory? I'm Greek. I have never touched a a Hebrew Bible. I've never sat in a Hebrew synagogue. You mentioned the word Messiah. I have absolutely no clue what you're talking about. I don't know one word of the Hebrew language. If there's a bunch of the Jews living in my city, I never go into their market, their area. I I don't go down the streets they live on. They are totally separate. Now here's John saying, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have written really good biographies with the facts. This is what Jesus did. But if you know John, John was the theologian. John was the one who looked behind the facts to say, what was really going on? What spiritually was happening? What was God doing in this Jesus of Nazareth, really? And how do you communicate that to all these Greeks? That was John's challenge, So how do you do that? Well, John came up with what I want to call the perfect message. I don't think it was John. I think it was God. I think it was the Spirit. Gave John the perfect message to communicate what he was doing in Jesus. And that's one of the hope my hopes for you to walk out of this sermon. We're going to get to the Word, the name of Jesus, and what God was trying to communicate to us. But the first thing I want you to walk out of today, if I do, if I can, is you're going to walk out and say, God is amazing. He is just amazing. With the idea he gave John to communicate what God was really doing in Jesus. Because John was given a name that would perfectly communicate Jesus to both the Jews and the Greeks. And it would work for both of them, and they would both get it. And that name was Logos, Word. Jesus is the Word from God. Now, why do I say that? Well, I need to give you a little background. Word for Greeks, and why it was so important for them. About 500 B.C., so that's a long time for Jesus, a Greek philosopher... Heraclitus, I know that's right on your name. Any of you looking for a name for a baby, I'd recommend it. Heraclitus lived in Ephesus, of all places, where Paul would work. And he came up with this way to explain life. And it really caught on and became pretty much universally accepted. And the concept was that life is chaos. Things are always moving and changing, and life is just sort of flowing on. And, and it's not predictable, and it's not linear, it's just all this stuff is moving. However, all of this moving stuff is not chaos, because the gods have spoken into the chaos and the word of God, gods, the logos of God, brings order to this chaos. This logos from God, this word from God, gives direction and gives order to what would normally be chaos. It is this word, this reason of God, this power from God that directs all this chaos. Logos was the mind of God controlling the world and our lives and everything we see in it. The word of God. John comes along and says, you're right. There is a word from God. Let me tell you about it. And the Greeks were like, oh, oh, word of God. I get that. Really? Messiah? Clueless. Word of God? Oh, I got that. But now here's what's really cool and why I say God is so awesome. It wasn't that John had to choose, okay, am I going to communicate with the Jews or am I going to communicate with the Greeks? I have to pick not with God. God said, I got a way to communicate with both. And that brings us to the word for Jews. Now, the first is obvious. If you look at the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible, the word of God was from front to end. Genesis 1, how did God create? He spoke. You look at every day of creation, God spoke words, and creation happened. The power of the word of God. Words were binding in the Old Testament. If you spoke a word, it was out there and you couldn't change it. Remember when Jacob stole Esau's blessing? Isaac's answer was, I cannot change what's spoken. The blessing has been given. Those words are out there. You can't change them. The word is so powerful. And, of course, we're familiar with Isaiah 55, where Isaiah says, The Word of God is strong and active. It has a power of its own, and when I send it out, it will accomplish what God wants it to do. The Word of God. We're familiar with that, but I want to tell you something else that was going on in John's day. I didn't know about till getting ready for this sermon. It was like, God, you are just amazing. Remember last week we looked at Abba, Father, and that Abba was Aramaic. Different language came out of Persia, but it was the everyday l- speech of the Jewish people in Jesus' day. We are virtually certain in Jewish home, Jesus' home, Joseph and Mary didn't speak Hebrew, they spoke Aramaic. In fact, the average Jew in the first century couldn't even read Hebrew. They went to the synagogue, and the scribe or the priest or the rabbi read the Hebrew Bible, but the average Jew couldn't. So they created Aramaic translations of the Hebrew Bible in Jesus' day. And so your everyday study was from the Aramaic translation. Those were called targums. This is as deep as I go. Hang with me. And there were all kinds of targums, these Aramaic translations. But here's the amazing thing. At that point, what was trending was that you wanted to see God as totally other. He's not human. He is God. He is so superior for us. And if we give God any human qualities, we're somehow insulting God. So every time they found a place in the Hebrew Old Testament that they felt was making God too human, they would change the translation. And they would insert a different phrase the Word of God. Let me give you three examples, okay? Exodus 19, 17. We would read, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. But they view that, oh, we can't meet with God. So the Aramaic Bible said, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet the Word of God. Exodus 31, 13, the Sabbath is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. They felt that made God too close to us. So the Aramaic translation said, the Sabbath is a sign between my word and you. One more example, Deuteronomy 9:3 says, God is a consuming fire. But the Aramaic translation was, the word of God is a consuming fire. Now, they did this a lot. One of the targums that we still have today, from Jesus' age, does that 320 times in the Old Testament. Changed it to the word of God. So, if you grew up in Jesus' day, and you were Jewish, your concept was, I encounter the Word of God. I meet the Word of God. If God comes into my life, it's the Word of God working in my life. My touching of God is always going to be the Word of God. And so what does John say? The Word of God came. And the Jews are like, oh, I get that. The Greeks are like, oh, I get that. And it communicates to both of them. And so that becomes John's message. And let's go read the beginning of his biography of Jesus. John 1. First of all, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And every Greek and every Jew would say, yeah, I get that. They might have different pictures in their head for different reasons, but they both got to the same spot. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And if you were a Jew reading your Aramaic Bible, you would say, yeah, The word of God. And if you were a Greek who had studied Heraclitus, you would have said, yeah, the word of God brought order out of chaos. And that would have all been there, and you would have all been right with John, and you would have nodded your head. But that's why we need to go down to verse 14. Because as John continued, he said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And that's where John threw them all a curveball. The Word of God took on human form and lived among us. And we know Him. His name is Jesus. And that's where their jaws would have dropped. God came here, the word of God took on human form, and John had drawn them in to explain to them what God was doing in Jesus, and he did it in a way that they all got, because God had given him the perfect name for Jesus that would communicate to all the cultures in the first century, word. Word. that word is still what communicates with us. And that's really where I want us to get to, The in a sense, the rest of the sermon. What was God trying to communicate with us? Not just the first century Jews, not just the first century Greeks, but with us. And I'd like to throw out some ideas. I I think the first thing that the word communicates is the why. In Jesus, we see this communication from God and it, in a sense, it reveals God's heart. We learn the message. We learn how much God cares for us. Philippians 2 is, to me, one of the most beautiful snapshots. That says, Jesus was not willing to hold on to his godness, but he emptied himself. And took on human form and even became a servant. And we see God's heart. That's what he communicates to us through the word. How much God wants to touch us. How much God wants to reach out for us. He was even willing to leave heaven. And take on a human form. A servant form. The form of a sacrifice. Because he wanted to communicate with us. The word shows us God's heart. The second thing we learn from this message, this word, is how God did it. The message he chose. He didn't just send us written documents about God. He didn't just send us prophets to tell us theories about God. He said, I will come near. Emmanuel, God with us. I will come in human form so you get me crystal clear. Repeatedly, Jesus says to the disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You you know God, not theory about God, not the words of prophets about God, not what Moses saw on the mountain and is relating to you secondhand. God said, I want all of you to see me face to face. And I want that bad enough, I will come to earth as a human. But God doesn't just communicate about us. He communicates about humans. Because Jesus is human. And so in Jesus, the word, we don't only learn about God. We see humans as we were meant to be. The truth, and we all see it in life today, We have now lived for generations and generations since Adam and Eve, the first humans. And even they were not perfect. They started that way, but quickly lost that. So what does it really mean to be a human? We use that as an excuse, don't we? Well, I'm only human. I think that should offend God. Because I think God says, no, you're not. When you act like that, whatever that is, you are less than human. Because from his perspective, he created us perfect too. And we've suffered rust and corrosion and corruption and every kind of vile thing you've ever seen. And so what covers us and what we look at is not what it meant to be human. It's not God's original design. But in Jesus, God says, let me show you what I meant. Let me show you what I wanted you to be like. And we get to watch God in human form re-educate us about what humans can be. And everything from Jesus' wisdom to his compassion to his sense of humor to his enjoyment of relationships... And his desire to help those who are in need or helpless. We see all of this in Jesus and we realize that's what humans can be. And God is communicating that to us through a living example. We talk about the value of multimedia messages. Jesus was the ultimate multimedia message. A living, breathing human to teach us all of these things. He is the perfect message. And so then, of course, the question becomes, what did Jesus want to tell us? What did he want to communicate to us? I'd like to just list a few things. One, we've already talked about it, who God is, the identity of God. Jesus came to communicate and clarify for us what God is like. And there was so much he was correcting from what the Jews were teaching in that day. They had made God a distant legalistic judge. And Jesus said, he's your father. We looked at that last week. He wants to be Abba to you. That's who God is. Jesus also wanted to communicate the identity of humanity. And we've just talked about that. He wanted to show us what it means to be human. I think the third message Jesus wanted to bring us was the heart of God. How much God loves us. Just as we are. We don't have to wonder if we matter to God. We don't have to wonder if we are good enough for God to love us. In Christ, he proved through his life, his birth, his life, and his death That even while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. How does God feel about us? We know because of Jesus. He loves us. We matter to him. We are precious in his sight. He views us as his children. Even if we play the prodigal and run away, we are still his child. And Like the lost sheep, he will pursue us because we matter to him. Jesus came to show us the real heart of God. He also came to show us a whole new way of relating to God. A relationship. A relationship that we can know God as our Father. That we can talk to Him, we can enter His throne room with confidence, without hesitation. And that that's the kind of relationship... God wants with us that we can knock and seek and ask, and God will hear and respond. And we get a whole different picture of how we and God can be together. Obviously, a lot of what Jesus came was to give us truth. All kinds of truths. Truths about God, about life, But how to live life, truths about other people, and relationships, and business, and and all kinds of words and teachings to guide us. That was all part of the communication of the Word. Just read the Sermon on the Mount and all of the practical wisdom that God gives us in that teaching about how to live life. And of course, one of the greatest messages that God was sending in Jesus was salvation. That God would ask Jesus to die on a cross. As Joe said, to drink that cup of God's wrath so we don't have to. That the lamb, and that's what we're going to look at in two weeks. That the lamb would be slain for us. And that was God's message in Jesus, this word. That there is a whole new way that we can come to God. And it's not by law and rules and performance, because we'll never get there. But we can come to God because of Christ's death for us and grace. And God wanted us to see that crystal clear. And we have that powerful image of Christ on the cross and Easter morning and an empty grave. I don't know how much clearer God could communicate the hope that is offered to us in Jesus. There is one challenge left for us. Communication is not just about the sender, is it? because that sender can put together the most perfect message possible, the receiver has to hear, has to take it in. And in a sense, if we think of Jesus as the Word of God, that's the challenge God gives us. I have left heaven. I have found the perfect way to communicate with you, I have come to earth as Jesus, the word of God. Will you listen? Will we take in that message and allow Jesus to come into our lives, our hearts, our minds with the truth God wants to give us? And will we let him soak into our lives and change who we are and where we're headed? That's why Christ came as the Word. Let's pray. God, you are so amazing. I thank you for how you guided John and how appropriate the name Word is for Jesus. But Father, no matter how wonderful that message is, we have to take it in. We have to stop and watch Jesus and listen to Jesus and let the Spirit guide us in understanding the truths you want us to receive through Jesus. Help us be hearers of the Word and not just hearers, but doers of the Word as well. I ask this in Jesus' name.